Welcome to the Following Films Podcast. I'm Chris Maynard, your host. And today we have a special episode featuring the creative team behind the multi-award-winning film, The Mental State. Joining us are James Kamali, Jan Sislin, and Carly Pope. The story of The Mental State centers on Andy, a young man who suspects a dangerous town shooter is on the loose in his hometown. As he uncovers a dark conspiracy, Andy's behaviors become increasingly erratic, leaving his mother, Angela, struggling to find the professional care he needs. But before we dive into our conversation with the filmmakers, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's. As an independent bookstore, Bookman's believes in the power of storytelling and the magic of the cinematic arts. If you're looking to expand your film, music, or book collection, be sure to visit your nearest Bookman's and discover something truly wonderful. And if you haven't already, please follow the following films podcast on Spotify. Your support helps us continue to bring you in-depth conversations with the talented individuals who shape the world of cinema. The Mental State will be released by Gravitas in North America on all VOD platforms on December 19th. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I guess the first thing, James, I got to ask you right away. How are we supposed to talk about this film? Um, I feel like I was shocked when I looked at Letterbox that there's people that think there's, I think, I, I think this movie is telling you what it is pretty early on. Um, uh-huh. There's an inevitability to it. There's a, you don't know exactly where it's going, but I think the mm-hmm. themes it's dealing with are readily apparent. Um, but it feels like that's not necessarily everyone's take on this material. I don't want to spoil the movie for anyone. And I don't want to go outside of what your intentions are for people going into this. Sure. I mean, I think, yeah, I think uh, so far I've been comfortable kind of talking about where it goes, not exactly the particular details of the plot, you know, like the exact moments and scenes too much. Exactly. Generally where it goes, because I think that's, you know, it's, it's an important thing to talk about for, for the film. And, you know, I like talking about it just so people, so people know what our intentions were as the creators behind the project, you know? So, um, which was to, to, to try to start a conversation, you know, a lot about mental health, teenage mental health, about school shootings, about, uh, gun violence, about, uh, all that stuff. And, and, um, you know, to help bring a lot of as much empathy and compassion as we could, you know, to not generalize the topics necessarily, or generalize, take this event and generalize how, these sort of tragic events might unfold for everyone, but just to give somebody a snapshot of it and help grow that empathy and, and compassion and conversation around it. So, well, I think you're very successful in that where this is a film that doesn't feel like anyone here is a caricature. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. these feel like fully realized humans that you do have empathy for that. It's not just a pointing a finger at a way that anyone in other films I've seen before where it's either um, there's something that's almost navel gazing to some degree Mm -hmm. where it's a, and I, this film doesn't do that. So, which is tough when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with mental illness, when you're dealing with school shootings, when you're dealing with religion and poverty and all these different themes that come up in this film, but I never feel like it's exploitative. I feel like it's an exploration, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I really appreciate that. I mean, I think keeping that balance between that, um, exploitative and exploration, uh, exploration, um, balance was really, really hard, um, for, as a co-writer, I know for the other writers, even for Josh Adele, who wrote the play of trying to understand 
you know, wanting to show that these events can happen from a, like a hurricane of events as the term is often used. Yeah. Um, and to try to just give as much breadth to each of the sort of facets that might lead to something like this. So I appreciate that you saw that and your comment on it. Well, I, I think it's it's very uh, carefully handled and it doesn't go mm-hmm. unseen because we've all seen things that handle topics that need to be uh, dealt with in a gentler way and they're not. And I, I feel like a lot of that goes down to your casting here um, where Jance and Carly, you're both phenomenal in the film. And Jance, when you look at a screenplay like this and you realize that this is a tricky role to pull off where um, what's being asked of you, this is not something that's necessarily easy. What when you read this, if I read this material, I would never have the confidence to say I could pull this off. So you read this and said, okay, this is something I'm willing to do. Yeah. Um, well, I, I really appreciate um, what you said, first of all, and nice to meet you, Christopher. You so, as well. <laughs> um, yeah. When I first read the script, I was like, no one else is going to do it. <laughs> so I have to. <laughs> That's how I felt, honestly. I was like, nobody's gonna go for it i don't know i i i mean it was like it felt like um there are certain things that feel like they're written for you um and trust me i've i've felt that way about a lot of things that i didn't book (laughs) (laughs) but um in this case i just it was kind of something where i wanted to I I didn't know if I could do it, you know, but I felt like I wanted to prove something to myself. Mm. And that's, I I was just like, what what are you going to do? Like not do it, you know, Um, (laughs) not, not give your, your perform your all performance. Like, I feel like something like that, if you don't fully embrace it, it's going to be embarrassing or like cringe. No, of course, because I, I think that's where things can fall off, where you don't fully embrace the material, and then it's you, it just never like play connects. acting. If you're if you're like, oh, like we're in this terrible situation. No, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Carly, this it, your character. I, when I I was worried about you when I first saw this film because I thought, okay, this oh, I know what this is, and I was wrong. And so you pulled off a change of this character and gave a, a depth to it that I wasn't anticipating. Can you talk a little about uh, how you took on this role and your approach to it? Oh, bless you. Thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it. And um, and uh, I echo the gents in saying it's uh, thank you for for seeing the movie on the level that we intended to have it be seen. And, and we were hoping to have uh, made a film with the depth and the nuance that that doesn't make it caricature, doesn't make it sensationalized or uh, gratuitous in any capacity. And I think um, I didn't have quite the same amount of confidence as Jan did. <laughs> like this role was this for me. <laughs> I think that um, I really, when I read the script, I I didn't think there was any chance at the Angela role being something that I could embody or I could imbue with experience. Um, There were so many aspects to Angela that I had not experienced in my own life that I didn't, I really just did not think this was um, 
a role that I could play. That said, when I was auditioning the role, uh, uh, an enormous amount of feeling sort of grew and welled and came out. And I, I, ju- I just, I fell in love with her despite all of her faults <laughs> and, um, and in spite of her challenges that she had, I saw them as strengths and I saw her resilience and I saw her ability to um, stand up and fight when quote, the enemies are at the gate. Yeah. And, um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, it's not, it, it, this is, it, it's not an easy read. The play was not an easy read, the source material for it. You know, it's, it's, it's calling on themes that are incredibly, prevalent and prescient in our society and um and i just felt like james had adapted the play into a screenplay that was so tender and so open and so willing to have a conversation there was nothing there was nothing you know direct and nothing um that was being forced upon anyone it was just a portrait of a family in a small town going through what they're going through without the help and the resources to do so so well it's that that thing that as a parent that scares the shit out of me the having a 13 year old and a seven-year-old and you it's there's just these different things of you said the enemy at the gates and it's the is that enemy within the house itself is there something that i don't have the ability to see because i'm blinded by all these other things that i need i'm not giving the support and help that i need to or i don't know how to or i haven't it's all those things that just are so scary and so unnerving and and i think it handles in such a appropriate manner yeah well thank you i i can only imagine as a parent that you know it's it's a harrowing thought and it's a harrowing reality if you're in it and it's and you know it's impossible and that was uh one of the one of the resources i was using was um sue klebold's book who is one of the mothers of one of the columbine shooters uh her book a mother's reckoning was um i mean just absolutely gut-wrenching in terms of her, her realization that she did not know what was going on with her child and um and and the the forgiveness you know uh, i remember her saying something like people were saying how have you ever forgiven your son or would you ever forgive your son and she said my job is to forgive myself and i really felt that in this character of angela is like i feel like she's on a journey to forgive herself yeah in this so Oh man. Yeah. It's, um, I literally two days ago was interviewing, um, somebody who's making a documentary about the Sandy hook, um, massacre. And it's this thing that's so just, it's something that we need to have conversations and we need to approach this in a thousand different ways so that we can start to really look at this larger issue with some honesty and without baggage and just to assess the situation because it needs to change. And I think films like this are a part of that where we can create empathy in here and it's not just a one note character. And I think something like James, there's a a line in here where it was not to give anything away. I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a Jance's character. He's talking about how it's a graphic novel. It's not a comic book. And he brings that up several times 
And that was the teenager in me discussing the difference between a movie and a film or cinema and those kinds of things. And it's, yeah, yeah the pretentious little 16 year old shit that I was like talking about Kurosawa. <laughs> and it's like, the, yeah, it, it was so uncomfortable to watch that. Cause it was a mirror that I was looking at and I wasn't expecting that. So thank you for, uh, for allowing those types of moments to exist in this. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of teenagers with whatever their liking is kind of always has that, you know, I think especially with their parents of like, it's a lot. Of, I think a lot of it is just wanting to be heard properly. Right. And I thought, and uh, I think like, you know, it was, it was also in Josh Adele's play and kind of carrying that, um, you know, and it's kind of some of that is a basis to like the communication that you're trying to have between a parent and a child. And, and, you know, I just love how well Jance and Carly played both these characters and playing that communication and the lack of communication and the broken communication between them. And uh, yeah, I'm just so, so blessed that, that, people are watching that you're, you know, that you, you pick up on that sort of stuff and that Carly and Jans just did a fantastic job across the board, um, portraying these characters. I could not agree with you more. And could the two of you talk about working together and having these individual roles, um, that carry enough weight, but really the connection between the two of you, if that doesn't work, I, I feel like that the movie falls apart. So you could have in strong performances, but if you two, don't work here this movie just falls apart so yeah that's that's always a risk you know when you're like yeah like you said you can be individually fantastic but together the chemistry might not be there but fortunately i i love carly (laughs) uh, we, we got along great in so many different ways and i think that you know i just love working with good actors because i learn so much about how to do things um and i i feel like i learned so much from you carly for sure likewise though likewise i mean it was it truly was i i think that i think this is a situation of of um lucking out in so many ways because it doesn't always happen this way and you have to fake fake it in a lot of projects where you just you know you have to portray a relationship on screen that you can't you can't in any way get to off screen so it it really like this there was a lot of luck but also it's a testament to Jance i felt completely at ease and comfortable with and again you know these are incredibly vulnerable roles and it's so vital to stay open and yeah. able to access you know to access your your feelings your emotions your like all of them your anger your humor your humility your humility everything you just have to kind of constantly be um fluid in that and and Jance was was so wonderful and so uh you know like squared off like it's like I just felt immediately like Jance's heart was open to it and that was so disarming and so wonderful and it just built from built from there and also like it, 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 there are so many ad-libbed improvisational discoveries that Jance found in the process that I was just blown away by and it was so inspiring and I just was like oh well this is this is great I'm in acting class also so this is <laughs> There were were so many times when I felt like, okay, we're about to do this scene where I'm like about to be really mean to you. 
I I prevented myself from doing it, but I wanted to say like, just so you know, like, um, I don't actually think that you're terrible, you know? (laughs) No, it was, it was really, it was, um, there was a lot of love shared. And I think that's what makes it work, you know, is that there's a genuine love and respect and care for one another. We're very lucky. It's that weird thing that's this intangible thing that everybody can feel where you can you we've all seen a romantic comedy where you have two very talented actors, but they just and they're both giving great performances, but it just doesn't connect for whatever that reason is. And sometimes it works and you can just go along with it. And other times you're like, I just I can't buy into this thing. But that feeling that you're talking about, Chance, that um, that you're not wanting to hurt this person in this yeah. moment. I think that comes across though. I, I think that you can feel that, that genuine affection for one another. It's not something you can point to and say, there's these two things going on at once. It's just this overall feeling that you have, that there is this, despite what's being said in a moment, you can feel love, empathy, yeah. and compassion throughout the whole thing. Yeah, no, I definitely think that um, Andy was like, he w- wanted the best for her yeah. too. Um, but it just, it kind of those concerns faded into the background when his own problems were like, you couldn't see anything else, you know? So. Yeah. I think they, they just did a fantastic job of portraying exactly what you just mentioned, Chris, because I think that's so that's something that happens with a parent so many times. There's so many times that you have your parent who like could get in your way and you're like, ah, gosh, you're being, you know, especially as a team, like you're being so annoying, but also like there is that underlying love that is just kind of hard to get rid of between a a child and a parent and a parent and a child. And I think Carly and Jance did that really, really fantastically. And I think some of their, just as an observer of their relationship on set, I think, you know, and, and their um, workings, I think they did a really great job of kind of being in character when, you know, when it was time to shoot. And then when it wasn't time to shoot, maintaining a really nice, warm relationship. I mean, they're both really funny, really warm people. And I'm, and I'm, uh, I was just lucky to be around them. <laughs> um, okay. This is going to sound strange, but um, there's something that's an intangible that I feel in films often. It's um, a movie can be cynical in its message. But if it's made with cynicism, I think that kills a movie Um, in the same way that a movie, it can feel like the people that made it were genuinely enjoying themselves and enjoyed one another, despite what the film is itself. And I can feel genuine affection and love in this film in the process from the outside. I don't know how to point to a moment that says this is that thing I'm seeing right now, but you it's an overall feeling that you get when you walk away where it doesn't feel like this is something that is overly labored and torturous it feels like there was genuine for lack of a better word fun in this that was made (laughs) with with art if that makes sense i mean it's weird to say that you had fun filming this movie (laughs) okay to someone that's seen it you know they're like um okay (laughs) but you know um there i mean there was a lot of very fun situations in the film and i think that uh you know just the way that the characters were written um there's a quirkiness to them especially andy at least that i felt was humorous and i couldn't shy away from that fact because like andy's still a kid you know and yeah. he wants he wants to 
enjoy himself in a lot of ways, you know. He's not just this like only this dark, like intense, intensely brooding person. It's like all of those things were like a an armor, a facade to like get to the more chill place. <laughs> that and, was his goal. He wanted to have fun. And I think that's also a testament and kind of a mirror with James who was such a fearless captain, but also someone who is like entirely head and heart master. Like it's both. It's like James is one of the most intelligent people I know. And then also has like the heart and the humor to support all of that in a way that allows us to feel at ease, I think as well. Like that's, that's for me, what I experienced is like when you're, when you're shooting a film with this kind of content that is incredibly um, serious and, and needs to be taken with seriousness as such to, to also be allowed the freedom to take a breath and have a break from that is, is such a, um, such a gift. And James was so wonderful in, in setting that tone because we knew when we had to, you know, we knew when we had to put our minds to it, but we also were allowed to like have a reprieve. <laughs> James, could you talk a little bit about that? Cause that's uh, the idea of making a message movie that is given the audience enough room to have that humanity. I think that comes through humor and it comes through lightness and it comes through those moments without, I think a lot of films that handle subjects like this, they don't allow for that because they, I think people are scared that that'll detract from the message of the film and it ends up coming across like a soapbox and your film is never that um, there's intensity throughout the whole thing that, you know, it, you let life into it that pulls it out occasionally, you know, you can, Think of the moment at the amusement park. There's a there's moments in there that are incredibly tense and funny within a split second from one another, and just a lot. I think it takes a vote of confidence in the audience to allow for that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, first off, uh, thank you, Carly, for saying that. I'm going to actually just leave the conversation because <laughs> I don't know if I could get that. So. <laughs> no. Um, I think for me, yeah, th this film was. I mean, this story, like it's. It was. I don't know. Today's episode of the Following Films Podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So the last time I went into Bookman's, I went straight over to the movie section as I often do, and I was so excited because one of my favorite things that happens when I go in there, I'm looking for a movie and I don't know exactly what I want to see, something I've been meaning to see and there's a blind spot. And when I saw East of Eden, I was super excited because it's a movie I've been wanting to see for years, but for whatever reason, I've just never gotten around to it. So the film adaptation of John Steinbeck's East of Eden, it's a powerful cinematic achievement. I, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but it absolutely does justice to the novels, what can only be described as profound themes and the complex characters. It's directed by uh, Kazan and features outstanding performances uh, from the whole cast, but mainly here by James Dean as uh, Cal Trask. The film captures the essence of the book while adding its own visual and emotional dimension. Uh, the cinematography, which looks absolutely incredible in 4K, captures the rugged beauty of the California landscape. So it sets the stage for this intense family drama that unfolds throughout the film. 
And the screenplay manages to condense this complex novel that is East of Eden without feeling truncated. It makes this really intricate plot, takes that and then just condenses it down and really only gets the essential elements of it. And all the themes are still intact with love, jealousy, and the struggle between good and evil. That's all there. And it doesn't feel like a lesser than. It feels like a compliment to. Um, if you've read East of Eden and haven't seen the film, definitely catch up on it. Highly recommend it. If you've only seen the film and haven't read the book, definitely check out the book as well. It's worth your time. Uh, but in the movie, James Dean's portrayal of the troubled cow, it's nothing short of iconic. Uh, it showcases his raw talent and charisma. The supporting cast is also incredible, especially Julie Harris, I think does an equally compelling job here um, with just an outstanding performance. And there's a depth and authenticity to these characters that wasn't very common for this time. So it's something pretty remarkable here. Uh, East of Eden, it's absolutely a classic that continues to resonate uh, to this day, still holds up. Um, I think that's mainly because of its exploration of human nature and the complexity of family dynamics. It's a timeless masterpiece that deserves a place in the annals of cinematic history. And I think it's there. It just took me a long time to catch up with it. Uh, this is a must watch for anyone who appreciates powerful storytelling and exceptional performances. So remember, next time you go to Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. What prompted me to like, I, I know what prompted me to try to make a film and story like this on screen. Um, you know, I just felt like it needed to happen. And there was a lot of times, and even after it comes out, where I just constantly questioning what are the right choices around this film? What, you know, even the release and even down to interviews like this of, you know, how do we even carry ourselves talking about this film, right? And I think it just always came down for me to remember the intention of this film and that the intention was always to do the best we could. And you can never be perfect or, or get it right on the nose, but do the best we could to bring empathy and compassion and communication around these topics, right? That's always been like my three pillars. And to also remember that like life is, is life. And so there are moments, uh, you know, like my grandmother passed this year. And my uncle got to the funeral home and had to ask, where is my mother? That's kind of funny. It's it's sad, but it's also funny. And like life is filled with a lot of moments that can have really intense, hard moments, but is sometimes cut by like something kind of humorous or or whatever. And, you know, I hope that came across in moments of the film. Um, and I appreciate that that you saw those. But yeah, I mean, the big thing was just trying to keep the intention clear of the film and just trying to and, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for all of the actors and the um, collaborators involved that that took that intention to heart as well. So, um, yeah, that's that was just the approach I tried to take is just to keep that intention forward. Well, I mean, I, I not I don't want to mislead people in thinking that this is a um, laugh out loud, you know, no, kind of romp sure. by any means. Yeah, but, for sure. But just trying to find moments where we could cut some of the intensity a little bit. Well, um, the, yeah. the example you use is the example I always use when I'm talking about something like this, because 
I've never been to a funeral of someone that I loved, that I cared for, mm -hmm. that there weren't moments where we laughed. When you're commiserating, when you're remembering somebody, you're going to find the joy in that. And it's you're going to be laughing through tears. It's when you are at an arm's length, when you go to a funeral of somebody you barely knew, that you have reverence. And it's a polite distance for it that I think we carry to some degree. And yeah. it, it's I think that that gives it sincerity. Yeah, I think I left the key detail out of the funeral story. Basically, <laughs> she was not in the room that we were told she was okay. going to be, you know, for the, the <laughs> casket. And so, that, yeah, I just realized I was like, holy shit. Just <laughs> so we were trying to find the room and, you know, just to be like, where the hell, you know, where could she go? You know, ah, it's just kind of fun anyway. No, that's great. That, 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 that is a very a key example. detail. <laughs> I was making assumptions. Of, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. Um, could you talk a little bit about James, the, the look of the film? Cause this is a mm. really, um, it's a gorgeous film to look at. Um, it's very, it's very cold. Um, but it has mm. these moments of warmth in it with that come through and just talk about the design of this look. Cause I think it's a very impressive film to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of that is led by uh, Ronnie Swenton, who's kind of my co-filmmaker. Um, he and I met the first day of film school, and I've worked on just about everything since. Um, uh, and this being an independent production, he and I were both wearing a lot of hats. Um, but that being said, us being so close as friends, that gave us a lot of lead time going into the film to discuss some of the influences and 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 everything going into it um winter's bone was a pretty big like visual influence right sure it's that got a lot sense. of that cold and uh sort of you know uh overcast feeling to it um and then also uh place beyond the pines visually was something i i really love as yeah. well um you know and there's 40 other movies i can pull out but those are two kind of big ones um and then from ronnie you know i he takes a lot of influence, as a lot of cinematographers probably should, from Gordon Willis, who um, cares as much about his shadows as he does his light. And I think for a story like this, that's really important to kind of maintain the tone of the film uh, throughout. And uh, Ronnie did a fantastic job. And then it's a it's a huge credit too to Brian Wolsick, our production designer, who helped design you know, much, uh, much of the sets and everything. And as well as Gregory Gale, our costume designer, who, um, you know, he was probably one of our more experienced key department heads coming into it. He's a really fantastic um, costume designer on Broadway. And he really reminded me and pushed me to, to follow my gut instincts and follow you know, and just really push the creativity level as as much as we could. He was really instrumental in that. Uh, seeing someone who, as seasoned as he was, um, maintaining that mindset was really important for myself. And I know some of the other younger filmmakers on the on the project. So, and also to that point, sorry, I just wanted to say mm -hmm. on on the Gregory Gale note, like it's it is such a. Um, Info it's so informative. The clothes that you wear is so informative of your character. Mm -hmm. And he was so brilliant in how he devised, I think, everyone's wardrobe. It, it, for me, anyway, I'll speak personally, but for me, uh, like Angela became a person that, like, a real person when I stepped into the windbreaker or the 
um, you know, or the the wolf sweater, which actually was a, no, a, a, a nod to James, but, <laughs> but it was still, you know, the sweatpants, like sweat, like when does an actress get to wear disgusting sweatpants? <laughs> that doesn't really happen. And I, yeah. And I love them. And it, you know, but it's anecdotal, of course, but I'm just saying it's like it's those those key people involved in the production that you don't often see or you don't often get to hear about. It's like they make such a difference. They make such a difference in in all of our work. Well, it's yeah, Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. He was just very keen on the details. And, you know, I told him, like, I want to make sure these clothes look lived in and not just movie clothes that we bought for this movie and uh he and then the rest of his team um uh, i know kim grader was a big help in like distressing the clothes a lot mm. and um yeah so it was testament to gregory is really great it's uh editors costume designers um mm. composers when they're doing their job right their work is invisible most of the time mm -hmm. sometimes there's work that's designed to call attention to it you know if you're watching a period piece yeah of course you want to have just huge costume stuff but in a film like this if it's wrong though it stands out yeah you know if everything is fitted too well if everything feels right off brand new even if it's off the rack or anything it just it it feels wrong that's not who these people are and it's but as an actor like you were saying i would imagine that's one of those things that really does help you get to where you need to be in those moments that you know it does feel lived and it doesn't feel like you're wearing something perfectly comfortable and it's you that's it and also too it's like you know these people who don't have a lot of um don't have a lot of uh money they don't have a lot of you know they they're they're they are where they are in life and like having one pair of jeans and one pair of shoes and one jacket made way more sense than what you normally see in a hollywood film where it's like yeah. everyone got a different a different piece of clothing for every moment of the day and like it's you know so so things like that were just again down to the details of going like yeah let's let's keep Let's try to, this is a fictional story, but let's try to keep it grounded in reality as much as possible. I loved that part, what you just said about um, like the less clothes because they didn't have money, you know, like it, it made me feel um, <clears throat> like I was wearing a character outfit, like a cartoon character's outfit because it was like the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah. Or like three different things, you know. Um, it also it puts like an emphasis on laundry day. Like we wear our clothes <laughs> until laundry day. <laughs> that it's like you know, it's an event. It informs what we're doing with our life and with our you know, it's it's all of that stuff. If we get if we get salsa from Angela's, uh, you know, takeout restaurant that she works at, if we get salsa on our shirt. Like you better get it off quick because laundry day is not happening for a week, and that's your one of two t-shirts or whatever you know <laughs> yeah he actually did um it was actually something that he and i discussed getting uh before we got to set of he did a really great job of kind of um uh desaturating the clothes a, a bit um as the story goes on so that wasn't something that we were trying to do in post so he had doubles of things that were a little bit more desaturated as we got further into the story and as the sort of um you know, the brightness of Andy's like um, vision is, is being taken away and, and stuff. So, and then yeah, you need to detail that had 
you know, doubles for blood and other things like yeah, that. doubles for blood as well. But uh, also there were like desaturated doubles too, which was something that I was just like, wow, this guy is really taking the time to do that. So um, that helped me try to you know push myself and others to to go that distance. So this How? is a movie about fashion. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I can only assume that this you have limited resources to make a film like this. Um, how do you do something like this on a budget that looks this incredible, that has these kind of performances in it, that it's just, this doesn't feel, I feel like you're punching above your weight class with this particular, with this film. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I take that very much as a compliment and I know the other sort of key filmmakers, uh, myself and, and Ronnie, and then our producers, Matt Einstein and Glenn Trotner certainly take that as a compliment. Um, you know, Matt Einstein was was a big uh, part in introducing us to Glenn Trotner, the late Glenn Trotner, who was a producer on the film. Glenn had a lot of experience in the film industry as an assistant director, and in his later years was starting to produce uh, independence, like independent features like this. And originally, we wanted to shoot in Kentucky, but Glenn had a ton of resources up in Syracuse, New York, hmm. and um, I'd spent a ton of time in in Kentucky, and then going up to Syracuse, seeing that a lot of the landscapes looked kind of vaguely similar to what I was seeing. Um, you know, as an independent film, you have to take the resources that are presented to you. And we were just so lucky for everything that Glenn uh, brought to to the film. I mean, he had so many great crew, uh, just a ton of great crew up there. And then just a lot of, you know, great connections to things like the Sylvan Beach amusement park that we got to shoot in and things like the churches up there and um, other locations. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things that I think it's, again, it's that kind of invisible work that happens. that mm -hmm. makes things feel lived in. And, you know, when I've gone to Kentucky because of films like yours and winner's bone, um, when I visited there, when it's not completely this gray landscape and I see these beautiful colors in the fall, mm -hmm. <laughs> like all the trees and everything, I'm shocked at how warm and vibrant the place is. I'm wondering uh, <laughs> if Kentucky can get a, a nice lighthearted film. For, for <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. warm place from what I've seen for the most part. It is. And everybody is very friendly. That's what um, I meant by warm. Yeah. 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 Everybody's very warm and friendly. I mean, the, the state itself can be quite warm sometimes yeah uh yeah Sounds no like i mean a hallmark movie in kentucky <laughs> yeah. well, that's so the next that's the next is one. that next for you guys get get the band back together but do something like a hallmark movie do something a little <laughs> bit more lighthearted. you can enjoy spending time with each other but maybe do something yeah. that's a little bit uh uh hallmark movie on hawaii uh yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah up the ante for sure in the summer yeah <laughs> Yeah, Hawaiian Christmas story. Why not? Yeah, uh, that's exactly. <laughs> so, oh, uh, just out of curiosity, James, what is coming up next on the pike for you? What is going to? Because I'm a greedy American consumer. I want more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like a lot of storytellers, uh, I think I have a lot of pots in the stove. Um, I have one project that I've been writing for a while and trying to understand the next step of it about a uh, a grandma in a nursing home. Uh, which is another sort of heavy subject matter, but I'm trying to approach it with uh, some lightheartedness and, and fun throughout it. Um, I have a, a horror script that I'm trying to get produced for next spring about influencers in the woods, and we'll keep it there. Another, hopefully, horror comedy situation. And uh, yeah, and then I was signed on to direct a project called Somebody Loved, 
and um, we're still in the casting process for it. But uh, that's a film um, written by one of the producers of it about his own life experience, trying to um, uh, figure out his sexual identity in a conservative family uh, after his mother's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So more lighthearted um, fare coming. Yeah. I'm pinned for the lighthearted <laughs> movies, you know, that's, uh, that's my bread and butter, I guess. So, so yeah. Jance, what are you going to do after this, man? Is this like, I would have the temptation to just like hang up the spurs at this point. It's just, it, you got it. You nailed it, man. It's every, what's, it's going to be a letdown after this. What, how can you possibly follow this up, man? Well, I really hope it's not going to be a letdown. No, it's not. No, no, no. I actually think that, um, you know, more people that see this film, it will be good for me. You know, like if, if uh, it's kind of like, I guess I'm glad that I did something so intense and dark, like, I guess early on in my career, because, you know, you have a lot of actors who like will start doing like romantic comedies or whatever. And then, you know, like 10 years goes by and they have all these great, great films, but you don't know, like you've never seen them do something, um, you know, serious. And so I'm kind of like, let me just like put this on the table. So you, everybody knows. <laughs> and, but I would love to honestly do something that's funny because I, I don't know if I'm funny, but I think I can be. And I would love to, I would love to do something where, um, you know, my character has more of a fun time. <laughs> that, you know? that, that, I think that's going to be the case, no matter what you do after yeah. this. I think that'll be, yeah. if that's the bar. I mean, I literally just got my first audition since May, like a few days, like two days ago. So congratulations, man. Back in the groove of things. Well, um, you're the real deal, man. Uh, this is an incredible performance. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching your work for years to come. Uh, you. And you can look at somebody like Carly as a roadmap because she's done a little bit of everything where you've yeah. been and been good consistently throughout your career. So uh, you're, you're one of those people that hasn't yet been pigeonholed. And I think that's a, a testament to your ability as an actor. So what, what, what do you have that you haven't done yet? That's very kind. Thank you. Um, very, very kind. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, Jance, you are damn funny, mate. You're destined for, you are all of it, all of it. I can't wait to see you do comedy, though, because it's a it's a relief. And that's what, um, that's what I've always enjoyed is the, is the ability to be malleable and and challenge yourself and prove to yourself that you can do it. And it is fun to kind of pendulum swing from one to the other. You know, you do a dark, heavy film like this. In fact, this is a prime example. The after we shot this, which was back in 2018. um, Oh, I didn't realize that. Wow. But it's, but the next year um, I did a Hallmark movie, the first and only Hallmark movie I ever did. And the experience from going from this movie to that movie was equally amazing it was just drastically different and that was the type of that was the type of experience that i felt so fortunate to be able to play but um i'm just i'm just i'm retired now no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but i don't um i don't know i don't know what's next there's uh um 
I had uh, another couple episodes of the Pretty Little Liars summer school. So the next incarnation of that, I um, I have a couple episodes in that coming up when they release it. Um, they're just about to finish the season in a couple days. And uh, hopefully um, the release date will soon follow. And then, you know, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen from there. Well, congratulations to all of you. This is an incredible film. I think you all should be proud of the work you've done here. And I hope that someday in the future, I can have the three of you together talking about another project down the line. Cause I think you guys have something <laughs> yeah, special. Let's do, here. let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you all so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank this you. was a really fantastic uh, discussion. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, this is uh one of those ones I could, I could do this for hours on this one. This is a, uh, an important film that, um, manages to be i you're the one you guys are the ones to do a film like this because if i were to try material like this it would be me standing on a soapbox yelling at people for an hour and a half and nobody wants that so (laughs) so congratulations thank you thank you so much thank you all very much take care thank you bye guys time enough to figure you out time enough to write this down wish me luck Give me hope
Boys crack.